Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hey, you are listening to Intuit from Vulture. I'm Sam Sanders. And you probably already know by now that I watch a lot of movies. For work, for fun, for shits, for giggles. And usually I know right away, before I even start the film, what to expect. Action films end with big explosions. Rom-coms must have a music montage and a large public display of love before the end. A Meryl Streep film must end with an Oscar nomination. When they called my name, I had this feeling I could hear half of America going, Oh, no. Oh, come on, why her again? But I watched this one movie recently, Polite Society, and it totally confounded all of my expectations. It starts out pretty straightforward. It's about this relationship between two very close sisters. The younger sister, Rhea, is an aspiring stunt woman, and the older sister, Lena, was trying to be an artist, but then she gives up that dream and gets engaged to this handsome doctor. Rhea hates that. He's looking for a wife, like actively seeking. So sweet. Uh, no, not sweet, evil. He's got an enormous wedding boner. Oi! And then she becomes hell-bent on preventing the marriage. She enlists her friends to help. And you think you know where this movie is going, but then just a few minutes in, Polite Society turns into an action film with some very serious, violent martial arts fighting, like Jackie Chan level. From then on, Polite Society refuses to stay in one lane. It just turns into what is like a joyful kung fu heist Bollywood epic. Joyful kung fu Bollywood heist epic. What's not to love? This episode, I am talking with Nita Manzor. She wrote and directed this movie, and she told me how she got this kind of movie made. Also, how hard it was to make a movie this silly, this violent, and this full of South Asian teen girl angst. Also, we talk about the R word, representation, and how sometimes it can be a trap. All right, lots of good stuff in here. I think you will enjoy it. Here's Nita Manzor and me, Talking Polite Society. You know, I want to talk about the movie, but I have to ask you, I've never been to Sundance, but I hear that when Polite Society debuted at Sundance, it got a midnight showing. What even is that? What even is that? A midnight show. Ah, it's the cult section. It's for all the weirdos and the freaks and geeks coming out wanting to see something strange, I think. Honestly, it it was sort of perfect because everyone was a little bit unhinged and ready for something (laughs) bizarre. So I feel like the audience were primed for like the insanity of the film. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm guessing the room loved it. They must have. Yeah. I mean, the room really loved it. And it was cool. It was a different audience. I I test screened the film with different kinds of audiences. So it it got such a warm reception. Um, But man, you should see when teenagers see this film. It's it's a different beast. It's a different experience at the cinema. How long was this thing in the works? I read somewhere that you began writing Polite Society 
a decade ago? A de- more than a decade ago now. Wow. Um, yeah, okay. yeah. It's it's been a long road, a long road. You know, th- the world has changed so much since I first conceived of the idea. I remember when I was pitching it early on, um, I had some execs asking me to make it a white family instead to kind of, so it had more appeal. Wow. And I really didn't want to do that. Yeah. Or they'd say like, oh, can it be more about a forced marriage? They wanted more trauma in it as though- Damn. You know, yeah, stories about Muslim women, has got to have trauma or something. And again, I did not want that. There was also snobbery towards the action genre as though the action genre isn't high art, isn't worthy of being financed and supported. And especially at that time in the UK where I was looking for public funding. So this is public money, you know, you got to, your art needs to be worthy and- it was hard. I, I really knocked my confidence at, you know, when, when you're being turned down because you're not really considered as a serious artist. So it was a long, a lot of sort of knockbacks. Um, but I got extremely lucky because television opened up to me. You know, I got to write TV. I got to direct pilots. I got to write kids for kids TV. I got to kind of, you know, earn my stripes, find my voice, hone my craft. Um, and when my show, we are lady parts was a success, it was really Tim Bevan at working title set who said, do you have a movie? Let's make a movie. And all of a sudden polite society was back on the table, which was so cool because I was like now ex- experienced enough to, to kind of do it justice, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I went into my first screening of your movie, not knowing a thing. They were like, you're going to like it, just go. And so it starts out, it is, you know, two sisters, one of whom is in high school. They have a close bond. I think I know where it's going. Then the younger sister is at, like, the high school boarding school with her friends in class. I think I know where it's going. And then you get to the first action scene. Leave it, real. Yeah, come on, let's go. It's not worth it. And I'm like, oh, they're fighting. Kovacs versus Khan! People, Khan yeah, versus yeah, Kovacs! Yeah. Oh, snap. It's violent. Oh my God, they drew blood. And like, it took me a moment to be like, oh, this is where we're going. Um, More than most teen dramas, this movie is asking viewers in certain parts to really suspend disbelief. Mm. And like, I wonder how as a filmmaker, you prime a viewer to do that. That's a that's a really great question. You know, I, I had the good fortune of being able to test screen this multiple, multiple times okay. and feel where I lost the audience, feel where I state they are struggling with it. And I recut it. We edit it differently. We thought we'd stylize it a bit more from the top. You know, those first 10 minutes we've cut, I don't know, hundreds of versions of those first 10 minutes to really set up the tone. You know, when does that first school fight come? You know, we used to start with the school fight, but then that was too brutal. Oh, really? So we ended up having to, yeah, we softened you in. We kind of had a bit of sister stuff and then we hit you. So you got grounded okay. in the characters and then you care for the characters and then we enter the tone. It was a real, yeah, it took so much fine tuning, recutting, shuffling, you know, trial and error really till we found a way into the movie because as you say, you know, the film is taking a lot, taking on a lot of genre, a lot of different tones, characters you don't expect to see. And I think that so much of the reason why I wanted to make this film in this way is I did, I always wanted to subvert expectation. I feel, I think just intrinsically as an artist, as a sort of South Asian woman, I, you know, sometimes you feel straight jacketed into this idea of performing, being a good girl, being, you know, acceptable woman in society. Lena's going back to art school soon anyway, aren't you, Lena? Uh, no. Lena was a brave girl. She realized that art school was not serious. So she's come home. It was very brave. Good girl. Shabash. It's really interesting to, to hear you say that, like, 
you ended up deciding, well, you can't just start with this fight. We got to ease into it. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. And thinking back now on my viewing, that worked for me. Was there anyone who said, maybe just skip the fighting? (laughs) Yeah. You know, there were people who, yeah, they were just worried. There was a sort of level of worry about whether or not this would work for audiences because it was sort of unusual. And of course, Scott Pilgrim does something. I mean, it's not even similar. It's more kind of gamery. I thought we had a fight going on here. Oh, you've got a fight, all right. Whereas, like, here, it's really more grounded. Um, and so we had to kind of really back ourselves and say, like, no, 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 this action is important because it's through the action genre I wanted to explore the experience of being a teenage girl, how everything's heightened, how the words that you say to each other, you know, the small violences... Are, are feel big for you so action is the perfect genre to to sort of externalize those small internal violences you experience i think the conceit of allowing women and young women to express personal family drama through a fight scene that felt mm. refreshing and like it made perfect sense why don't we see more of that oh thank you i'm so glad it worked for you yeah Oof. You know, I feel like it's just because as women, we've been excluded from that genre kind of more so than others. I'd say action has been very male dominated. Mm-hmm. And anytime you see a woman in an action film, it's not always the most complex portrayal. So it doesn't feel like it's for you. I I grew up studying martial arts, loving action sequences, loving Jackie Chan movies, and was really desperate to see someone like me at the heart of something. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's traditionally so male dominated, you know, cinema in general is male dominated, but action more so than any, I think, any of the genres. So it, it yeah, I feel like, you know, such a ripe ground for exploring womanhood and femininity because it's really violent, man. There's a lot, <laughs> lot of stuff goes down. And, you know, that I'm glad you mentioned the sister fight because that sister fight was so cathartic to shoot. You're arrogant. You're egotistical. So I wanted my sister there. She watched it. We were cry- we were crying together. You know, it was like this is what it feels like to fight with your sibling, fight with your sister, person who knows how to cut you down. The the easy, you know, she knows how to get to my my pain points, and and so it was like a no brainer that this fight had to be the most brutal, violent, hideous thing ever. Yeah. What fight between you and your sister in your childhood felt the most violent? Looking back on it. Oh, you know. I still look back to this one day. We, me and my sister both studied karate and we were in the same martial arts class. And we were always asked to fight, to spar together. Um, our sensei, I don't know why he wanted the sisters that's, to fight. It was Wow, that's uh, mean. I know. That's weird. That's creepy. We can all, yeah. uh, there's a lot to unpick there. Um, so uh-huh. me and my sister had to, <laughs> exactly, I had to fight. And she kicked my ass every time. Um, she's just stronger, faster, merciless. And I just remember, and you're being watched by your teenagers. Other teenagers are watching the two sisters fight. And I remember like she tripped me, I fell, I smacked and I hit my face on the wooden floor and it hurt, my face hurt. But what hurt even more were the kids laughing at me. Mm. And again, that, that mix of the physical pain and the pain of being a teenage girl and the humiliation and not feeling comfortable in your body, all these violences kind of just sort of mixed I don't know, there's something alchemy that happened there where I feel like polite society was born in that moment when I was like 13, getting my ass kicked by my sister. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny watching this movie. I was like, hold on. Is the answer 
to the problems and drama high school age, middle school age kids go through is to just let them fight it out. Like there was a second where I was like, maybe this is the way. Let these kids fight. <laughs> They'll work kids. it out. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I used I used action to externalize the internal drama of it all. But also more than that, like I also gave up um, martial arts um, in my teens mm. because I ended up, you know, as a young woman, I, you sort of change your body changes and, you know, you go from being a child to then sort of being objectified by society. The way society interacts with you is completely different. And mm-hmm. I felt like kind of, a separation from my body. I didn't feel like, you know, unified with it. And there was all the shame around your body because it's changing into something different and society's treating you different, differently. And, you know, the amount of girls that give up sport, they give up martial arts because of these change, because of the shame, um, just was really why I was like, I need to make this an action movie and I need to center, um, a teenage girl to, to show a character who's fully embodied in their self and action is the best way to show somebody fully in their body you know listeners we are at the part of the show where i ask you a thing we're going to go to a break but first i'm going to say how you can help spread the word about this show if you like this show tell your friends about it in real life ask them to listen you can rate and review us on any podcast app especially apple Podcasts. leave us a review there you can follow us on any podcast app subscribe that stuff helps us too we greatly appreciate it now it's time for a break brb support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. life moves pretty fast are you drinking water that can keep up Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. I was so pleasantly surprised by all of the little drip drops of like film reference I saw in the film like there was a lot there and at one moment I was watching it with my boyfriend and he was like oh she's referencing Quentin Tarantino right there and I said no she's referencing Mm. classic Italian westerns buddy she's Mm -hmm. going back even further Mm -hmm. but at some parts I'm feeling like a little bit of get out at some parts I'm feeling like Jackie Chan style film what were like the biggest three perhaps film references in polite society i couldn't my brain has just massively exploded three (laughs) i've about three thousand and (laughs) three as you know and it's really interesting you mentioned tarantino and then you say go back to classic westerns spaghetti westerns you know i didn't go to film school so my way into cinema was sort of I didn't start with those classic films. I went via Tarantino into mm. into Hong Kong Kung Fu, into the work of Wu Ping. And, you know, I mean, Jackie Chan, I started with the stuff he did in the US with Brett Ratner, the Rush Hour films. My daddy will kick your daddy's ass all the way from here to China, or Japan, wherever the hell you're from, and all up that great wall, hey, too. don't talk about my father. Don't talk about my daddy. Those were the most joyful, seeing him and Chris Tucker. I thought, like, this is yeah. incredible. These are two, you know, diverse. This is a diverse cast. This is a hell- comedy. I remember being like, this is amazing. And then going Although none of the like, jokes hold up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It, that film is massively... <laughs> also, it's like, it's problematic AF when I look yeah. back on it. Yeah. Jackie Chan. I can't say Jackie Chan, but I would just say Jackie Chan because from him, I saw 
comedy and action together for the first time. And I was like, this is exciting. This is brilliant. This is something I want to see. Another film maybe I would mention, which is probably not an obvious reference, but I really always came back to um, watching cinema was all about Eve. Mm. Addison, I've been wanting you to meet Eve for the longest time. It could only have been your natural timidity that kept you from mentioning it. You've heard of her great interest in the theatre. We have that in common. Then you two must have a long talk. I'm afraid Mr. DeWitt would find me boring before too long. You won't bore him, honey. You won't even get a chance to talk. I thought that there's a wit and timing in the way that the rhythm in the comedy, the rhythm in the dialogue was so inspiring to me. And it's just seeing strong women, you know, Betty Davis's character is just like so complex. And that was a film that I kept returning to. Okay, third one, I would have to go into my Bollywood, you know, I, I grew up. I was hoping you'd go there because l- let me go, tell you, had- that one scene <laughs> where it's like towards the end and there's the fight and then one of them yes. is restrained with like, Bollywood satin yeah. silk yep. accoutrement. Yep. I'm like, this is it. Yes. Oh man, that gave me so much life to be able to see. Oh, celebrate South Asian clothing, Bollywood cinema. Let's just mash these things together. And that's where I found the most joy. And you know, I'm glad you you mentioned Get Out because Get Out made me believe in the film again. Um, when I watched that in the cinema, I got uh. to watch Get Out in the cinema with an audience, and I felt an audience react. I felt them you know, just social commentary, horror, comedy, genres working together. It just made me believe in my own film again and that it could possibly have a place in cinema, you know? The the freaking, let's just go the waxing scene where we have <laughs> a villain showing how much of a villain she is by like subjecting one of the girls to a body waxing she doesn't want. How about the bikini area? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, like it is saying something about how on top of just like this being a drama about girls being able to fight, you know, arguing between women. It's also about how like some of the beauty standards that particularly South Asian women are held to are in themselves violent and villainous. I loved it. Yes. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you you responded to the waxing scene. I needed that scene to exist so badly for me personally because every time you go for any sort of ridiculous body hair removal, it's like, this is like akin to torture. I need a waxing torture scene and I need a villain just chewing the scenery and having the best time. It was, yeah, I was like, this is everything. This is why I want to be a filmmaker to make this specific scene. Yeah, yeah. I'm very interested in finding out at what point in your life you said, I'm making film? Because reading up on you, you know, you were into martial arts as a kid. You also were really into music and you didn't switch to film until later. Like, was there a moment or a thing or a day or a film where you said, ah, I'm making movies now. This is it. Oh my gosh. You know, I can't remember because you're right. I I start off like, I want to make music. That was my first love, but film, ah, I don't know what it was. I was at uni and I was in the film class. It was in, sorry, I was in the film society. And I was just getting such a taste for like being behind the camera, storytelling through writing. I think I started off thinking I could be a documentary maker and I could mm. tell hard, hit, hard hitting stories. And I realized I really can't do that. It's so hard. It's so much more difficult. <laughs> I'd rather just write my own fictional stories. And then I found my voice and then, and then I was like, yeah, I got to do this. And in a way, I got to still bring my love of music into my film, into my TV show. Everything everything gets to play in together. My love of collaboration, it, it all still got to exist, um, which was why I thought, like, 
let's let's do TV, let's do cinema. Yeah, I'm always interested in how creatives who have tackled the multiple modes or mediums incorporate one into the other. I feel like I could see a musician's touch in the directing of this film, but I'm wondering, was there a particular way that your experience with music shows up in the film that we see in Polite Society? Oh, yeah. You know, music for me is so important and so integral. I mean, rhythm and comedy is like my favorite thing when there's a kind of rat-a-tat, Mm-hmm. rhythm going on mm-hmm. and that takes a certain kind of performer not all like you know everyone said this but, you know not all dramatic actors can do comedy but all comedy actors can do drama that part, and I think that's, that part. that's true comedy is like a skill in its in itself and so casting this film was so crucial my casting process is quite brutal for actors I need to see if tell they me can all work. about it yeah how know, do you cast folks for an action teen drama <laughs> mate poor poor actors like you know for for the part of Rio Khan, it wasn't just comedy where I brought in the other two friends and needed to see how she would work rhythmically with the friends because it's really those that those friend scenes that have a lot of comedy rhythm. So that leads it to us to break off this sham wedding. Who's with me? Down with the patriarchy! Let's decimate this mother! So what's the plan? And then as well with Rhea's part, can you be physical, you know, needing to see that, but also can you be lovable? Can I see the teen angst? Can I see the drama? It's oh, a, lot, a long process for the actors, but, you know, one where I'm just like, because it's true, I believe 70% of directing is casting. You know, you got to get the right people. And I mean that about crew as well. You know, you got you got to put the party together um, as a director and hire the right people to make it work, I think. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Prove it. Taylor Swift: The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. In one of your previous interviews, you've said that you want to bring, quote, more cinematic qualities to TV and especially shows that look at people of color. I could see it in polite society, but I want you to elaborate on that specifically. For you, what does that look like? Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's about the way, you know, intentional use of camera, intentional use of using the full gamut of filmmaking in Mm. service of a story, Mm. you know, I want to know, I want to, when am I going into a close-up? Because, you know, with some television, it's just your mid shots and your wide shots and that's fine. But how can you utilize all of the filmmaking tools at your disposal to tell a story? That's exciting to me. And, you know, this is a South Asian teenage girl leading an action movie, a studio film, and just the fact of it existing on the big screen, just the saying to so you know, it's just something I wish I'd seen as a teenager. Just the very fact of creating this genre movie and just using everything to tell the story, all the tools of filmmaking, the big score, an orchestral score, you know, the um, using the crane shots, using all the toys of cinema to say, you belong, this is your story, cinema is for you as well. I mean, it, 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 mean, it meant everything to me, really. 
Yeah. And for me, it's like the difference when it's like, are we looking at people of color cinematically and holistically? It's like, do you let them express all the emotions you let the white characters show? Yeah. And in expressing those emotions, do you allow the camera to speak to all of those different emotions in different ways? And it's like, that's what I saw in this film. There's so many shows and movies where it's like the black character, the brown character, they're one kind of way, they're one emotion, and they're shown basically straight ahead doing that one thing. And so the test for me, it's like, will my view of this character, both emotionally and cinematically, be as holistic and as 360 as the white people get? And Mm. like, I saw that. And like a lot of that is shown not just through the script, but through the camera work, you know, through the way the Mm -hmm. camera looks at this person. Does the camera see the person holistically? And I saw that in the film. Oh, thank you. And, you know, also through costuming and especially as like, you know, underrepresented groups, there's a sort sometimes an exoticization that happens. The way you Mm -hmm. look is like some heightened, insane version of yourself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think of a show like Insecure that I feel like was so cinematic and so beautiful in the way it thought about the colors and the skin tones and the texture. And that was a case of lighting, grading, camera work. It was just, the, and that's a t- TV show, yet I felt like it really, again. It was again, like a movie, yeah. It was a movie and it was well, beautiful. It was, yeah, yeah. it was like celebrating these characters. Well, and they took dark skin seriously. Exactly. They said, actually, all of the things that we usually do with the camera for white skin will not work here. Let's make it new and different. And what I liked about Insecure, I think the camera person who did that was a white person. You know, it's like white people can do this. Everybody can do this. Absolutely. (laughs) Do you think, you know, talking about movie and TV, seeing people of color more holistically, shows like Insecure, films like Polite Society, do you think it's getting better overall in general or does it still feel like, you know, some really nice surprises in a landscape that's still pretty shitty to us? Oh, that's a great question. I still think it remains to be seen if this is just, you know, is this a phase? I certainly am seeing new stories, new voices, new, you know, films that are embracing genre about underrepresented groups, like just coming into the mainstream, which is exciting. But I also hear from my own peers who are, you know, writing their own TV shows about Muslim women who are being told, listen, like, they want me to recreate your show because, again, there's this idea that there's mm. only one successful way of a Muslim female story to be told. So it's not until we have more and more voices taking up space that we'll have actual meaningful representation. Well, you know, when we get to, like, the R word in these conversations, representation, mm. this is a conversation I'm sure you have all the time. I'm sure you mm. have it all the time because mm. I have it all the time. And I have been thinking a lot about the dialogue and usual conversation about representation. And I'm starting to feel like it's a trap. I think it can unfairly burden creatives like you who have to be the face of representation, especially if they're the first in any way. And then a lot of times it can be used and symbols like you and me can be used as a bright and shiny symbol that then allows the powers that be to ignore the larger structural endemic things that plague the entire industry. I'm wondering, as a creative of color and a woman in this industry, has the entire representation conversation or debate or struggle, has it been helpful to you or has it just gotten in the way? Well, I mean, that's that's a, that's a great slash big question. And I think 
I think it has been helpful because it's been able, it's enabled me to label the the burden I'm feeling, you know? Mm. You know, I, I talk more of like the burden of representation, thinking about how can we lift that off new writers and just be like, listen, you need to just constantly reconnect to the fact that you're just one voice here and you got to do you. And and it's really just encouraging new writers to just to, to, just to free them of that. And that's why the word is helpful because it's more like you'll feel it, it sinks in, it makes you stop writing, it makes you feel fear. And it it's, we label it, we see it, but we've got to constantly be working to free ourselves free ourselves from it so we can have the courage to make our art, you know? Yeah, yeah. I kind of will sometimes be like, what would Chad do? And Chad is <laughs> just like my hypothetical hetero white man of privilege in the industry. Age. That's so, and I'm, oh, Sam, I, listen, I, I watch <laughs> art made by white men who were free of any idea, any burden. Free. I'll go watch Tarantino this. Tarantino is free. Free. He's free. You know, Spinal Tap. I'll watch this. my favorite comedy. I'm like, these are white men having a good time. I'm like, I've got to just channel that. Just have a good time. You know, oh, it's so Listen, interesting to say that. You're in a Howard Stern is that. free. How do I free? do that? Right. How do I do that? How do I do that? And it's just like reminding yourself of that, I think. And, well, and, and then it's like, what I want for the industry is for that when there are writers, creators coming up, who can offer, quote unquote, capital R representation, one hopes that these institutions don't burden those people themselves. A lot of times these primarily white institutions will ask for more from someone like you than they would ask from a white director. Do you, I mean, when that happens, how do you deal with that? Because you get it. It's like, don't just do the job, do the DEI shuffle too, you know? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, they ask, you know, they ask what you're doing to give back. And I, I and that means a lot to me. And I, 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 you know, I do believe in mentorship, but I'm like, are you asking Tarantino what he's doing to give back? Are you, is he, is he, who's he mentoring, you know? And so mm-hmm. I'm just like, so it's an additional, it's an additional aspect of the, and I feel it, you know, you, f- you feel so lucky, you know, constantly feeling grateful, which is, which is cool. But then at the same time, I'm like, wait, why am I, you know, why am I so like nervously grateful? I don't feel like I'm here. This, I'm a filmmaker. Cool. I, I want to feel more empowered. Sometimes you feel like you should be thanking everyone that you, you get to exist. And I'm like, nah, 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 that doesn't feel right. And it's like, are they asking Chad to make half of his job mentorship? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But all goes back to so. Chad. Hypothetical Chad. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's helpful for me. So you know, talking about representation... I read somewhere that when We Are Lady Parts premiered, some of where you got the most negative feedback was from fellow Muslims who didn't like the way that you depicted Muslim girls on screen. How did that feel and what did they say? Um, yeah, it was very bracing. I don't think um, I'd experienced anything like that before, sort of that online element to it. Um, you know, it was just like, this isn't, uh, you know, some people just weren't seen or didn't, didn't like it at all. Like they thought by using comedy, I was somehow mocking the religion when actually it was for me just showing Muslim women joy as being so powerful. And I think ultimately it, it was amazing because I ended up putting it in the show. And by putting Mm. it in the show, I was like, you know, showing the band confront this, side of of being told that that their art is wrong having to and then getting to have all these different characters react differently to it was just it was so fun to explore that because as artists of a certain background 
it's really real and it was it was great to get to put it into the show and like go through the catharsis of it and honestly it's really freed me polite society I was like I'm making this for me because you know you know you can't please everyone so if you please yourself like that's my north star really I love it I love it I want to ask just for me personally if I I loved your movie I like polite society if I want to watch something like in this vein where would you recommend I go next in this vein, wow. There's nothing in this vein right now, but... I mean, okay, go, go to... <laughs> if you sent to... a fan somewhere next. Okay, you want to go back to Hong Kong Kung Fu that expose, like, centers women, Peking yeah. Opera Blues. If okay. you want to go to... I'm going to give you another one. If you want to go see, like, proper teen girl angst, go to Slums of Beverly Hills by Tamara Jenkins. If you want to see, again, sisterhood with genre, go to Raw, R-A-W by Julia DeCorno. There's three, okay, I'll stop. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for We Are Lady Parts. Thank you for Polite Society. Thank you for this lovely conversation and being so candid and open. And I hope they give you all the midnight Sundance premieres for everything else you do going forward, because you deserve oh. Sam, thank you. It's honestly been such a joy and a pleasure to talk to you. It's, yeah, it's really great to get to have these in-depth conversations. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. Into It is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Danae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zinn. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. And our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. All right, we are back on Friday with a brand new episode. Till then, be good to yourselves. We'll talk soon. <laughs> 